Good afternoon. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Well, we are in a world full of debt. How do you get out of it the right way? Today, credit and debt expert Wayne Sanford is here to weigh in. Wayne, welcome to the program. Appreciate you, Bob. Nice to be here. You know, record high interest rates, debt levels of rec- uh, debt levels at records high at highs. How are credit card companies managing this risk pool when they that they're uh, they help to create? I mean, are you seeing any credit limits reduced, accounts closed, anything like that, like they've done in the past? We're starting to see a similar pattern that happened right before the mortgage meltdown. Limits are getting cut, not as frequently just yet, but there's some articles that came out earlier today that said. More people are using credit cards, obviously, to get by, and delinquencies are starting. And then a contact of mine, even in the auto industry, has said people with 600 credit scores are starting to go late on their car payments. 600, they're starting to go late on their – you know, it seems like that that would be the, – the car payment would be the last thing in the world that you would let go just because you got to have a way to work. Usually, if you have um, – Let's say you have a credit card, a car payment, and a, and a house payment, rent payment, one of those three in a perfect world. Obviously, the first thing you're going to pay is the house for the roof over your head, the car to get you the work to pay for the roof over your head. Usually, credit cards, which are non-secured, are usually the first to go. People aren't going really delinquent on them, but let's just say they're pushing that 30-day envelope. If the bill's due on the 1st, they're paying it on the 29th. So I was talking to, I interviewed a a guy from, uh, executive VP from TransUnion, and of course they've got uh, their finger on the pulse of what's going on. And I was talking about, was it, is it time for credit card companies to get uh, to, you know, all the greed that they've practiced throughout so many years, the high interest rates, are you starting to see that kind of turn on them? And we got to talking about it, and, he's, and his, his opinion was that, yeah, there's high interest credit cards, and, the, and, and, and consumers are paying more money, but it's a necessary evil. We, uh, consumers have got to have credit cards. And so it, it brings me to the question, are credit cards a good thing, or are they a, something that needs way more regulation? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a hard question because you can really look at it from two standpoints. Uh, the main thing is, and, and for, we're just a credit-driven economy. Yes. You use credit in every form and capacity, and you've always heard the term other people's money. Well, credit cards are the perfect example of other people's money. So we can't get rid of them. It's They're never going to go away. It would be great if... If most people, if you look at your bank's, uh, your statements that come in the mail, if you have a $200 uh, minimum payment, if you look at the finance charge, the odds are about 110% of that is going to go towards interest. It would be great if they would lower that daily accrued interest, but that's how they make their money. So are you, uh, kind of a Captain Obvious question, but are you seeing these high interest rates getting to a point to where consumers are just really struggling to make the payments? It is one of those where if everyone, I mean, there are people struggling to make the payments, but the worst part is if you look at um, some of those statements that I told you about, I remember seeing one customer, they had a credit card, they probably owed about 20 grand. So obviously it's a large card. The minimum payment showing, and there's a little section that says, if you make more than the minimum payment, here's how long it'll take you to pay it off. 
if you make the minimum payment, and it's a, it's a it's a credit card company that'll end with the word bank. So I don't want to really throw them under the bus too bad, but it said <laughs> it would take them 45 years to pay off that credit card if they paid the minimum payment. 45 years. 45 years. I've, I've seen 35. I've seen, excuse me, 37, but I've never seen 45. It was a bit of a discovery, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, I, I, I get it. Credit card companies and credit cards, and, and we're, we're in a finance-based society, it all, it all matters. It just seems like there should be, at what point is does the interest rates get too high? At what point? Is it a, bur- a way bigger a burden than uh, consumers can actually t- uh, take on? To be honest, I think we're there. I mean, there's yeah. some of these that are in the 30% pluses. And then, again, as you get a larger and larger limit, that daily accrued interest, it just gets, I mean, just staggering. There is a great video. It's an old one if anyone wants to see, find it. It's called In Debt We Trust. Mm, right. talked about how they um, first came up with the way to really do the daily accrued interest, in essence, really to really put it to the consumer or maximize the bank's potential. And there was a bank, uh, a a professor from Harvard that was giving a a financial breakdown, and she had told them that if you cut some of these parameters, they'll stop 50% of the people that file bankruptcy with their cards. And she said that there was a gentleman that sort of made a comment, everybody stopped, and she knew that was the big guy, so to speak. And he had said, but that's where we make most of our profits off of the people that are paying those finance charges, those late fees. And I'll just tell you, it was an American bank. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) we'll leave it at that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it's a fantastic video that when you see it, you will never want to use a credit card again. You need to, but you won't. (laughs) So, you know, credit card debts everywhere, we're starting to see the, the cracks in the foundation. You have uh, obviously worked, you work firsthand with people that are, that are going through this, uh, these problems. What are some of the first steps that a listener needs to take when it comes to getting a handle on all the uh, debt that they've accumulated? Well, one thing that I wanted to mention for your audience is, and this just happened with a customer, or a soon-to-be customer that I just talked to yesterday, whenever, if you're struggling and you think the first thing you're going to do is call the bank, every bank says, oh, we've got a hardship program for you if you're struggling, whatever story, whatever terminology they use. They lower the interest rate, allow you to make payments, but what they don't tell you is you're 30 days late. They, they mark you late if you're not paying that minimum payment, even though they put together a plan that allows you to make less than the minimum payment. So it's mm. a, And, of course, they don't tell people that, or they may say, and don't worry, we're not going to be charging a late fee, but it's the late payment that destroys your credit because a late payment on a credit card can knock you down 60, 70 points on average. Hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the process of debt collection. You know, you miss that first payment and uh, you're first dealing with the credit card collections department at the bank or the credit card company. And this, of course, is prior to a third-party debt collector getting involved. How do you handle those, those particular calls in that, in that situation? 
Well, a lot of people, what they do is they think that if they're getting harassed, it's a violation of the Fair Debt Collection Practice Act where they're not supposed to make so many phone calls. But just like you mentioned, they're not the collection company. They're actually the bank. So if they wanted to, they could call you five or seven times a day. Ultimately, everyone's situation is going to be different. So what I always tell everyone is don't be afraid of the call. Just understand the person you're talking to, they work nine to five. It's not their money that you're not paying back. You can just tell them, hey, I'm running through some financial difficulties right now. We're trying to get our numbers together. We're going to get back to you in a week or two. Or, you know, even if you don't get back to them in a week or two, it's not the end of the earth. But don't be afraid of the phone. You know, they're not going to put a a judgment against you. You're not going to debtor's prison or anything like that, you might as well just answer the call. And then after that, you're on a rotary system where they're going to keep calling. You can just block the number and pick it up when you want, to be honest. You know, this reminds me of a story. The uh, we'll, we'll call the bank the USA Bank, you know, probably the same bank you've been talking about. But uh, <laughs> they were collecting from a client of mine, and uh, he owed some money. And they actually went and took just about every bit of money that he owed out of uh, his parents' account, which he co-signed on. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, unbelievable. I actually just had that happen to a realtor friend of mine. She had put her sister on her bank account, and she was under the impression that she said she's only going to be like a beneficiary, and they accidentally put her on as a joint account holder. And she got the card in the mail, thought it was a mistake, shredded the card. Well, her sister went delinquent on a debt, and they Mm. sued her, and then they went to go collect on the judgment with their receivership that I believe we mentioned last time we spoke, and took $8,000 out of her account. And she Mm. thought it was fraud until they kind of finally figured out that, no, it wasn't you. It was this Social Security number that we went after, and it was attached to this account, and that had the money in it, and that's what we took. And it was, unfortunately, all legal. Yeah, there there definitely needs to be <clears throat> excuse me needs to be some reform. Now now let's talk a little bit about the process of a collection further. The credit card company say they they give up, and this is an important part of this process that the listeners need to understand. It's because they then assign that debt to a third party debt collector to collect. Take us through that process. So if now are we talking that the debt's been charged off? No, this is uh, this is round two of collection. So the the bank or the credit card company gives up. Sure. So what happens is initially once you go delinquent, meaning you miss the first day's worth of payment, the the account is technically under collections, but it stays within their internal department. They'll work on it for a couple of months. After usually month maybe, uh, or should I say month three or four, ninety to one hundred twenty days. They may outsource it to a third-party company. That third-party collection company is not going to be putting the account on your credit because it's still owned by the original bank. And they may be making phone calls on the behalf. In essence, the reason why they're doing it is maybe their internal department is too small. They would probably just prefer to outsource it. And then they're the ones calling, which now they can call numerous times because they are an actual collection company, so they can only call you X amount of times. You could always give them a cease and desist letter. If you wanted to, you can Google one of those. They're pretty easy to do. Telling them not to call you at work or at home doesn't really work because there's no documented proof 
And just like everything in life, it's not what you say, it's what you can prove. Okay, so let's take it uh, even a step further. The uh, debt, the third-party debt collector gives the debt back to the credit card company or the bank, and they sell it to a debt buyer. Mm-hmm. And now the debt buyer is going to collect. Talk a little bit about that process. Most of these banks are typically going to sell the main three, are the largest in the country and half the world, to be honest, is one is Portfolio Recoveries, the other one is Midland uh, Credit Management, and the other one is LVNV funding. Those are the big three, so to speak. You have the big three credit bureaus. These are the big three debt buyers. Once they own the debt, depending on the size, they've got four years where they could turn around and file a lawsuit against you because, in essence, you have a $5,000 credit card. They purchased it for pennies on the dollar. Unfortunately, that doesn't matter from the legal standpoint. They're now the new owners of the debt, and you owe them $5,000. And if they choose to just put it on your credit and try to make collection efforts, they'll do that with letters, the phone calls. If they decide to sue... They most of the time have most of the documentation. You'll see advertisements from people all over the place, even attorneys, that'll say, we can help represent you and get it taken care of. Most of the time, they have all the documentation. All they're doing is looking to settle the debt. But that's what they have the ability to do, either file a lawsuit against you and then possibly collect with uh, filing against your bank, like you had mentioned earlier, or just, in essence, semi-harassment with phone calls and letters. And let's talk about that for just a second because I've talked to so many people during, uh, through many years doing the radio that have uh, been through the debt collector harassment. I mean, they're, they're good at it. That, that's how they get people to pay money. And uh, they threaten them with everything from, we're going to have you, uh, we're going to have two police officers come by and pull you off and take you to jail. I mean, uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're going to do we're going to take your more take your house, just all kinds of different threats like this. Talk about what they can and they cannot do. Well, the first thing is whenever you get or if you get a phone call like that, if there's any major threat such as police, such as lawsuits, such as a- anything of that you would deem a real threat, not you didn't like the tone of their voice, just an actual real threat. It's illegal, and at the end of the day, the people that are calling, they don't have the ability to file a lawsuit. They're not in charge. All they're doing is trying to get paid and collect money. That obviously makes them a little bit more flexible on what they can or cannot do, because they're certainly not going to give you the recording of them threatening you, breaking state as well as federal law. They can't call you before 8 a.m. They can't call you after 9 p.m. They're technically not supposed to threaten you, and everyone needs to understand if you ever have them mention, if they ever mention anything about the police, well, you signed a contract to pay a credit card or whatever card debt. A contract is civil. All they could do is technically sue. There is no police involved, so don't get scared, and it's natural to get scared when you hear that. But just understand, the people calling have little to no uh, ability to do any of that. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Talking to Wayne Sanford, he's a debt and credit expert. Uh, let's, and I also want to mention your your website. If I get this wrong, please correct me, creditbureauinc.com. 
That is that, correct, and the popular one is WayneTheCreditGuy.com. Okay, either one, and uh, he has a, tons of free information on that that you can go check out, and that could help you if you're going through any any of these particular situations. So let's talk a little bit about the 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 lawsuit. They filed a lawsuit against you. They're trying to obtain a judgment. What steps should you take? Well, let me backtrack on one second, just because we know uh, we actually have a similar person that we know they got sued, and they happen to be um, under the sort of, let's just say, over 65 range. You know, I'm not going to say how much older than that, but let's just say they're older than that. And her only income is primarily is Social Security and some disability. She, she, anyone can be sued, but they cannot collect 10 cents from her because those are the two main things that are exempt from lawsuits. So the attorneys can sue, the collection of the debt buyer can sue, but they're going to be unable to collect once that person says, if you want to sue, fine, but look, this is where I get my income. It's exempt. You can't get anything now. So just wanted to point that out. Um, when you're sued, a lot of times, some of these companies, especially Midland Credit Management, I'll give away their little secret, they're going to send a letter that says that it gives the impression that it's under legal status, and you have to be really careful because they're sneaky the way they word it. If you get a letter from them saying this is the pre-legal department, then yeah, there's odds are you're getting ready to get sued at some point, and you may want to address it because they don't want to go take you to court. They just want to get paid. They will create a payment plan. You can argue with them and try to get the best uh, discount you can. If they're in the process of suing you, you have to fight to get 30%, but you can still get it. So if they do go through with a uh, payment plan, how, how many of those have actually been legit? They will put it together in writing. So from that standpoint, I mean, while I find all of them to be primarily unscrupulous, they are legitimate <laughs> businesses, and right. therefore, if they give you a payment plan, they will honor that payment plan. What but I you, tell you is, if you, don't have, if you don't have the lump sum of money or a good chunk of it, they're going to give you a small discount and break up the payments. We have somebody right now that she's in a financial strait. She's paying them $100 a month, and once she gets in a better financial position, we'll go back in and renegotiate the negotiation. <laughs> A lot of a negotiation that, that takes place. I, I, uh, I you know, I, I've always said the this, the first thing that you really got to do is get get an idea of how the game is played, and uh, and and what these these companies are doing. Then you can manage your your situation so much better. You know, you you talk about the the cease and desist letter. You mentioned that a little while ago that uh, that affords the right to cease and desist our collection activity by a debt collector to a consumer. Uh, but I mean, there's a danger to that. And uh, once, and correct me if I'm wrong, but once they send that, that puts the debt collector up against the wall. They have to either let the debt, sell the debt, or or, or uh, file a lawsuit. Is that, a, is that pretty accurate? To a certain degree. They, um, once they receive that cert, uh, I mean, usually certified, it could even be a fax. You can get their fax number on their website and send them a fax or Google the fax number. But 
they are allowed to respond to you one time once you send that letter because you're sending a response. They're going to let you know, hey, we're no longer doing that. But in Texas now, if this is where most of your audience is, I mean, with the, with the Internet these days, you could have people all over the world listening in. In Texas, the statute of limitations for being sued is four years. Most states are four years, but there are some that are 10, 5, and 3. So if you send that cease and desist, yes, that stops the letters. But if they decide to sue you, the only time you're going to find out about that is when the court sends you documentation saying you've been sued. So that is always a concern. Now, if the debt's over four years old and you got the debt when you're in Texas, then you don't have to worry about that. Then you can stop those harassing phone calls. But you do have to be concerned about, hey, could I get sued? But uh, you would agree, though, that it's it makes total sense if you're if you're fi- if, the, if you're served with a uh, lawsuit and they're trying to obtain a judgment against you for credit card debt or whatever. Uh, type of debt that it does make sense to get representation would you say that's a a fair fact or not letting it putting your head in the sand is technically never a good thing Um, so it's always good to address it in some capacity everyone's going to have a different kind of personality I'm obviously with the industry that I'm in I'm overly aggressive so taking a bull by the horns doesn't bother me in the slightest. Other people are very non-confrontational. If you are of that persuasion, so to speak, or that personality type, then yes, getting somebody to represent you or speak on your behalf. Now, there's plenty of times that I've had some friends of mine. I used to play softball with a bunch of 30-year-olds, and I'm unfortunately nowhere near that age. Um, they ran into a problem or two. I had them sign a limited power of an attorney. They weren't hiring me. I was helping them out as a friend. And I contacted the, uh, the people, the bank or the collection company, whoever it was at the time, and just said, I'm a family friend. Here's the power of an attorney. I'm here to help my buddy. And then I, well, I hammered them, <laughs> hammered them down to a very, very low number because they aren't really used to people like me. But I'm, you know, I don't act like the typical consumer. But yes, if you're not that personality type, yeah, having someone speak on your behalf is going to benefit you. Yes. Now you you did mention the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act uh, a little bit ago, and of course that's there. Actually, I think you'd agree, pretty good piece of uh, legislation when you start to think about there. What does come out of Congress this is pretty good uh, piece of legislation. What uh, very few good ones. <laughs> yeah, so so tell me this: they have the do they have the ability to sue based on violation of that act, the consumer? Yes, and uh, I'm going to say at the end of the day, yes. Now, one thing that I always tell everyone is I actually um, have an LLC under a different company name that allows me to sort of listen in on what debt collectors and their associations talk about, which is why I get a lot of this sort of information. Um, there's always lawsuits being filed against the, um, the debt buyer. Most of them are constantly being tossed out from a legality standpoint. If they violate it, 
Wayne, that's uh, that's my music. We're gonna, I'm gonna have to get get, uh, get some this information next time. Sure. Once uh, once again, the name of the website creditbureauinc.com or Wayne the Credit Guy. You can get more information. This is Bob Brooks. If you got a question for me, please go to the website at prudentmoney.com and send it in because we are all out of time. Till we do meet again next time. Keep the faith and have a great rest of the day. That's all the time we have for today. Questions or comments for Bob or to find out more great information like what you've just heard, visit www.prudentmoney.com. Be sure to join Bob Brooks again for the next edition of Prudent Money.